This is the Art of Composing podcast with John Branningham, episode number 10, Understanding Harmony. Welcome to the Art of Composing podcast with me, John Branningham, where you can learn to compose music. music. Well, welcome to another episode of the Art of Composing podcast. Today's episode, we're going to be talking all about harmony, what it is, how it works, and some very cool tools that you can use to create some awesome chord progressions. Um, I think this stuff is really useful for any kind of composer, be you classical, pop, rock, dance, whatever. So I think it's going to be a really fun episode. First, a few announcements. This podcast is brought to you by the Art of Composing Academy. What is the Academy? Well, the Academy is an online school for composition where you can learn the fundamentals in a systematic and thorough way. If you're interested in learning composition, you should really check it out. You can find it at www.artofcomposing.com slash join. Now, next, I'd like to thank everyone that submitted a five-star review. It definitely helps with getting exposure in iTunes. Leo Music 45678 writes, I love how he explains the different aspects of music composing so clearly. I'm glad to see the website is doing well. Keep, it, keep up the great work, John. Well, thank you, Leo Music 45678 um, I'd also like to say a very big thank you to my Patreon supporters. Each one of these episodes takes quite a long time to make, from writing the scripts, recording, editing, and obviously coming up with the concepts to teach. So I really do appreciate the, the support. If you're interested in supporting the podcast directly, you can go to artofcomposing.com slash support. So let's get on with the featured content. So harmony is a subject that I have always found very interesting. Um, I've always I've always thought that it's kind of the most seductive of all the musical elements. I mean, sure, melody is king. And I mean, being able to write a good melody, it's really a rare thing and... Um, If you can master that skill, that'll take you very far. And obviously, orchestration is always a lot of fun to do. But there's something special about harmony, you know, something really elemental and basic about it, even though it's very complex. So what is harmony? Well, harmony is the phenomenon that occurs anytime you have more than one note playing at a time. So it could be something as simple as two notes, Or it could be something as complex as, you know, extended jazz chords. But harmony goes so much deeper and further than this. And what we really are concerned about as composers is how to use harmony within our compositions. So how does harmony work from one chord to the next? And this may come as a surprise to you, maybe not, but there are very specific rules that govern what will make harmony sound like it's moving correctly and what makes it sound like it's moving incorrectly. And that's basically what we're going to be covering in this episode today. So there's a lot of different kinds of harmony that we could be worried about. And um, I'm not going to go over every single kind of harmony because this is only a, uh, you know, about a 30 to 45 minute podcast. And um, obviously there's books written about it that are hundreds of pages long. And um, you know, there's just so much stuff to get into. But what we are going to talk about specifically is diatonic harmony and some simple chromatic harmony and how that works. So let's start from the beginning. A great place to start learning about harmony is with something called the overtone series. So if I were to play one single note on the piano, let's say a low C. 
most people would hear that and think they're listening to just the pitch of the low C. But in fact, they would be wrong. There are a series of other pitches that are excited above this note when we play that note. And this is called the overtone series. The overtone series is basically a set of frequencies that are mathematically related to what's called the fundamental. So the fundamental would be the lowest note that we play. But above that, the overtone series is a has specific ratios. And it, it keeps going up and up. Now, most of the time, you don't hear all these other frequencies. You're, you're, when I play the low C, you're not also listening to me play all these other notes. But they are there. And they play two very important roles. These are deciding the timbre of the instrument and then also how the harmony works with that instrument. So first, timbre. If you're not familiar with the term timbre, timbre is basically the tone color of a node or an instrument. And by and large, the timbre is decided by how it excites specific notes within the overtone series. So for instance, a piano may excite certain overtones more than say a cello would. And it's really the overtones that dictates what we hear. Now, there is some of the things going on there with the, the attack and how these overtones, um, you know, build up and die down. So basically the decay of the overtone, all that is taken into account for how we listen to and can understand the timbre of an instrument. Now, the other aspect of the overtone series is that it is kind of the archetype for how we get our basic triad chords. So if I were to start at the fundamental, and I'm just going to start this at C, the next overtone that's excited is actually one octave above that, which is another C. Beyond that, the next note is a G. Above that is another C. And this should give you some kind of hint as to uh, the basis for the scales that we have. You have a, a tonic and a dominant, or one and five, the first note in a scale, the fifth note in a scale. These two notes are very important and they're also very stable. The reason that they're stable is simply because they're all very low down in the harmonic series. Now, above that, once you get to that next C, the next note is actually an E. Now, this E, it also feels very stable. And it's these three notes, C, E, and G in this case, that are the basis for our triads. Now, I'm using C major here because C major is really the kind of the easiest key to describe things in, but this works for any other notes. So if I were to do this on A, or let's say D, it's all based on what is your fundamental note. Right there, the, la the one on the bottom. 
Now, as you keep on going up the harmonic series, you get further extensions. And I'm not going to go into all those right now, but let me just play C for a second. As you can see, the next new note that shows up, this B flat, is actually the seventh. It's a flat seven. And this is where we get the kind of the basis for our seventh chords. So if we were to look at a scale now, and we'll pick C major, what we do is we build triads based off of each note in that scale. And it all starts with that first triad. This is called tonic. This Think of this as your home base. And tonic is always known as being the most stable of all of the chords in a scale. Now we also have a, a triad built off of that G, that fifth scale degree. And it's using the same concept. It's all based off of that triad built from the overtone series. Now, G is also considered, within the C major scale, or the fifth scale degree, is also considered very stable. And it's these two chords together that really define the sound of a key. You'll probably hear a lot of this. I just played a little phrase there that was built purely off of chords made from that C chord and that G chord. Now, there's obviously a lot other a lot more chords that we use within harmony. And what composers started doing over time was building chords off of each note within a scale. And they did this by stacking thirds. So, when you look at a scale, you have a series of steps. Now, in between each step, you may have a whole step or a half step. Between the first and second notes, you have a whole step, then there's another whole step, then there's a half step, and that becomes very important a little bit later. Then there's another whole step, another one, another whole step, and then finally, a half step. Now, the way each of these steps uh, play out in the harmony become important, I'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But if you were to skip a note, so instead of doing this, you skip and you go, that would be considered a third. And we build our triads on thirds. And we can continue doing that up the scale. Now, each of these triads actually has their own name, and they are these. Tonic is the first, then you have supertonic, you have mediate, you have subdominant, dominant, then you have uh, submediant, you have the leading tone chord, and then finally you reach tonic again. 
Now, there are three chords in particular that are very important for understanding harmony, and they are tonic, subdominant, and dominant. And the reason is, is because these chords are kind of like the archetype for how harmony should work in general. And you may have noticed that those three chords together sound very common. You probably heard something like this. And what's happening there is that you're moving from tonic to subdominant to dominant. And actually that goes down to subdominant back to tonic. Now generally, um, I like to use the term predominant instead of subdominant when talking about the way harmony works, and there's a reason for that which I'll get into in just a little bit. But basically, harmony likes to move from tonic to predominant to dominant, and then back to tonic. And if you can remember that pattern, you're going to have a much easier time coming up with your chord progressions. So on a basic level, Obviously, you can do a chord progression of 1 to 4 to 5 to 1. That's tonic to predominant to dominant to tonic. But there's also other chords that fit within those categories. So we like to group specific chords into each one of those. With tonic, you can either have a chord built on the first scale degree, or C in this case, but you can also have a tonic chord built off of the sixth scale degree, right, the minor. Now, with predominant, you can obviously have it built off of the subdominant scale degree. But you can also have it built off of the second scale degree, which is called a supertonic. And then with dominant, you can obviously have it built off of the dominant scale degree but can also be built off of the leading tone. And this is where it starts to get interesting. As long as you're following that pattern, your chord progression will always sound correct. Now, there are other ways to go about creating your chord progression, but this is just a basic fundamental rule that you can follow. As long as you follow that pattern of tonic, predominant, and then dominant, your chord progression is going to sound good. Now let me do some examples here so you can hear. I'm going to do all of those chords in a row. So I can start with one, the tonic, and then I can move to an A minor, which is built off of the six. That's also considered a tonic chord. And then I could play an F, which is the subdominant. But then I can also play the two chord following that. which is the supertonic. And then I could play a chord off the seventh, which is called the leading tone chord, and then play the dominant. Add a seventh there, and then back to tonic. And that's what I like to think of as a single harmonic rotation, following that pattern. But you can also do it in other ways. I could say, start on one, then I could move to four. Then I could play a two. Then I could play a seven. And then a one. 
I still followed that same pattern of tonic, predominant, dominant, and then back to tonic. I could do it another way. I could play tonic, then I could play a super tonic, which is a chord built off of two, play dominant, and then I could go back to six, another tonic, and then do it again. And it sounded right. Now that specific thing that I played is also known as a deceptive cadence. You've probably heard that before. And now you know why it works. It's because that sixth chord is also a tonic chord. Now, harmony would get really boring if that's where we left off. And there are actually some other ways that you can add some real interest into your music. Now, the first thing that you should know about are what are called applied dominants. And an applied dominant is a specific way of adding chromaticism. So basically adding notes that are not a part of the scale normally um, to add a little bit more tone color and interest to your music. Now, an applied dominant, the best way to think of it is if you go to a chord within a scale. So let's say we're in the, the C again, and we go to G. If you were to pretend for a minute that you're in the key of G, and then go to that key's dominant, so D, you could use that D as an applied dominant, meaning that you could play that D before the G, and it's still going to sound okay as long as you go to the correct chord, in this case would be the G. So let me play that as an example. If I were to play just a normal chord progression, we'll start with C, and then I'll play a two chord. And then now I'm going to play the applied dominant, and then go to the G. Now even though that D major chord is not a part of C major, it's got an F sharp, it sounds correct. Now the reason it sounds correct is because the notes within that chord are resolving to the correct notes that they need to go to. Now we haven't talked about this concept of resolving, uh, but basically it's the tendency that a note has to want to go to another note. And now if you can remember earlier I spoke about something called the leading tone, and it's the seventh scale degree in a scale. Now, if you're like me and every other human being, you probably hear this next note in your head already. Now, the reason you hear that next note already is because it is the proper resolution for that leading tone note. So it is only a half step away. And remember when I pointed out in the scale that there's two half steps within the scale. Those two notes in particular have a very strong pull. They also both happen to be found in the dominant seventh chord. And what that means is that any time you take a dominant seventh chord and you resolve it to the chord that it wants to go to, it generally sounds right. So in this case, we went from 
from D to G, but you could also do A to D. You could do C7 to F. I mean, just about anything. Now, if you want to keep it sounding correct within the scale, you have to keep in account what is a major chord and what is a minor chord within the scale. So as I was going through, I wasn't really pointing out which of the chords were major and which ones were minor, but you can hear it as you go through. So one is a major chord, whereas two is a minor chord. Three happens to be a minor chord. Four is major. Five is major. Six is minor. Now seven is a special kind of chord. It's called a diminished chord, and it's made of only minor thirds. And then, once again, you get back to one. What this means is that as we go through a progression, we can add applied dominance as much as we want as long as we resolve to the correct chord for that scale. So let me, let me do an example here for you. I can start at the one chord. And then if I were to move to the six chord, that would be a perfectly functional, normal progression. But let's say I add the applied dominant in between that. Well, the applied dominant for an A minor chord would be an E7 chord. And then if I go to the A, it sounds correct. So let's continue this progression. Let's say that we do that. Well, now the next chord that we can go to is a predominant, maybe the four chord. Well, if we were to back up and think about what is the dominant for that four chord, it's actually a C7 chord. So let's put those together. We've got one. Then we go to an E7 chord to the A minor. Then we play a C7 chord to the F. And now if we were to go to a we could follow along with another predominant, actually. We could do the D minor chord. And let's back up. The D minor chord has a, a dominant chord of A7. So if we add that in, let's hear the whole progression. And then if I were to add in the, the applied dominant for the dominant chord of C, it would be a D. And then we hit the dominant. And you can see just understanding a few rules, we're able to create some really interesting chord progressions. So up to this point, we've gone through the basics of how to create a functional chord progression, following the pattern of tonic, predominant, dominant, and then tonic. And we also talked about applied dominance. But there is some more that I want to talk about in this episode, and that's going to be called modal mixture. So up till now, all we've really been talking about is major and there's obviously another scale that we use, and it's the minor scale. Now, we have a few different minor scales, and this can be a point of confusion for a lot of people. 
If I were to just play a natural minor scale, it's going to sound like this. What composers found, though, is that it's missing one key ingredient. It doesn't have a leading tone. Instead, you have a flattened seventh. So what composers started doing, and this was a long time ago, is that they started raising that one tone. And what this gave us was a proper dominant to tonic. Now, the really cool thing is that it works pretty much the same way in minor as it does in major. So let me go through the chords real quick. In major, we have a minor tonic. Then we actually have a diminished supertonic. We have a major mediant. We have a minor subdominant. And by raising that leading tone, we have a major dominant. We have a major submediant. And then because we've raised that leading tone again, we still have a diminished leading tone chord. And then we have tonic again. And if I were to follow the same plan as before, tonic, predominant, dominant, tonic, I end up with a good chord progression. And as usual, I can also add applied dominance in the exact same way. So I could do tonic and then an applied dominant leading to the sixth chord. And then another applied dominant leading to the four chord. And then maybe a dominant. Now, there is a type of chord that you cannot do applied dominance to, and that's the diminished chord. And the reason it doesn't work for those chords is because there is no diminished key. Now, let me differentiate here between diminished key and diminished scale. There are scales that a lot of people call diminished scales, and uh, they're used often by improvisers to play over diminished chords. So... But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that there's no key that we think of as the diminished key, and hence there is no dominant to a diminished chord. But any other chord major and minor does have a dominant, and it can be used on those. Now, this is where things really start to get interesting, is when you start to mix the major and the minor chord progressions. And that's a term called modal mixture. All modal mixture is, is following the correct rules of chord progressions, so tonic, predominant, dominant, tonic, but you're throwing in different chords from different scales. So let me illustrate. If I were to start in major, I could maybe play an applied dominant, moving to the sixth chord, and then I could play a minor four chord, so I'm pulling the chord from the minor scale, and then play the dominant, and then back to a major tonic. What I did there was called modal mixture. You hear this all the time, something like this. 
Now it just so happens that that four chord in minor is probably the most commonly mixed in chord, but you could use other chords as well. You could use the two chord. It's got a very cool sound. Um, I even hear it like uh, you'll probably recognize this. That, of course, was the theme from Star Trek, and it was written by Jerry Goldsmith, and that uses modal borrowing. It uses a minor five chord. So we've got a major one, we've got a minor five. Now that's a lot less common than the minor four. But you kind of get the point. I mean, you if you start to mix in these chords, but you're following the correct uh, pattern of tonic, predominant, dominant, tonic, things will still sound like they work. So why don't we try another one? We'll, we'll start with a a one chord in major, then we'll go to, how about a six? That's a very nice sound. That's a flat six from uh, the minor scale. And then we could do two, five, one. So I continued in the right direction and it still sounded fine. You can start to see the power that you have with just a few simple rules. So this is the kind of stuff that I like to teach in the academy. It's less on the uh, nitpicky, you know, worrying about voice leading and worrying about, uh, you know, the perfect resolution of every single voice and more about the general concept of, of how harmony works and how you can quickly use it as a composer. Now, I'm not going to say that this covers every single, uh, you know, circumstance that you're going to find in harmony. Obviously, harmony is a very fluid thing. It's changing every day as people come up with new concepts. I mean, there's so many things that we could be talking about. You could talk about, uh, you know, counterpoint. You could talk about, for instance, um, polychords, like stacking one chord with another unrelated chord. And that's a whole set of harmony. You could talk about harmony that's not built in thirds, but built in fourths. Or fifths. You could talk about atonality. The point of this is not to scare you into thinking that harmony is this vast subject that nobody can master. It's that you need to start at some point and you need to focus on something that is ultimately very practical and useful. And I think functional harmony is the place to start. So if you go to the podcast show notes, and they'll be at uh, artofcomposing.com slash episode 10, that's episode and then the numbers 1 and 0, you'll find that I have a chart that I've created, and everybody who joins the Academy gets this chart um, and in fact, I also give this chart out in the free course. Uh, but you'll find this chart covers basically most of the circumstances that you're going to have with functional harmony. Uh, now, you do need to understand a little bit, and that's what this episode is about, to be able to use the chart. But if you understood what I was talking about in this episode and you see the chart, I think you're going to find that you have an extremely useful tool for any of the composing that you're going to want to do that's tonal composing. So to summarize, we talked a little bit about the overtone series and how that's the basis for chords. We talked a little bit about scales and how scales have a different series of whole steps and half steps. We talked about the importance of those half steps 
and how they want to resolve and how that resolution together with the overtone series is what creates the overall feeling of a key with tonic and dominant. And then we talked about functional harmony and the order that chords generally follow of tonic, predominant, dominant, tonic. We expanded that out to using other chords within the scale. We added some applied dominance. And then we also used some modal mixture. So I hope this has been a useful episode for you. I know harmony is something that I've wanted to touch on for a long time. And um, you may have noticed that this episode feels a little bit different than the other ones. This is actually the first episode that I'm just talking off the top of my head. Now, I'm going to admit that I've started and stopped this thing quite a few times and I've edited out quite a bit. But I'm trying to make it a little bit more natural, a little less me just reading a script. So I'd love to hear your feedback on this episode. Um, be sure to leave a review in iTunes if you liked it. I prefer five-star reviews, but, you know, whatever whatever you feel. Um, actually, I think I got a one-star review for the orchestration episode, somebody complaining about how half the episode I tell you not to orchestrate. Um, and I guess that's kind of true. But the point of that was that I want to make sure that you're ready for orchestration and, and that you have the fundamentals under control before you step into a world that can actually be very complicated and complex and I want everybody to actually enjoy the process of composing. So part of that is mastering the fundamentals such as harmony here that we've talked about today. So be sure to head over to artofcomposing.com slash episode 10 to get that chart on harmony. And uh, if you haven't done it already, sign up for the free beginner's composing course. You'll see a sign up on that page. Um, but I teach this uh, system of using harmony. I also teach about creating melodies. I teach a little bit about form. Um, and if you really enjoyed it, uh, then I highly recommend signing up for the full Music Composition 101 course at the Academy. Um, and beyond that, I have Music Composition 201, which teaches sonata form, which is a way for you to expand your ability to compose and to compose much longer, more substantial pieces. So go off and create great chord progressions.